Do you have a favorite recipe you'd like to turn into a food business but don't know where to start? Our guest is a newly minted foodie founder and she's sharing her fresh ingredients for launching a food business. Stay tuned for the Startup Life live show. Let's go everybody and let's dance, come on. Hello and welcome to the Startup Life Live Show. I'm your host, Andy Lyons, four times founder and startup champion to founders around the world. And I got to tell you, after raising four businesses of my own, one was heavily backed by VC money, another by angel funds and other bootstrapped businesses. I got to tell you, I know what you're crawling through every single day, managing those incredibly high levels of uncertainty, Oh, popping the champagne one moment, just so thrilled and exhilarated, and then crying into the champagne the next moment, because, oh my gosh, disasters happen. And that's all part of the founder journey. And so I am truly grateful that you carved out time to up your founder game and tune in and grab some gems from the delicious conversation that we're having today. Because as you do better, that's right, your startup will do better. Woohoo! Hello to the live viewers joining us today. I know it takes a while to get those notifications in, so I'm so thrilled you're tuning in. And to my wonderful replay viewers and podcast listeners, thank you for tuning in. I know you will love this conversation and get a lot of value from this conversation. If you're tuning in from YouTube and you haven't done so already, I'd be so grateful if you clicked on that subscribe button. And for those of you who have not joined the meetup group yet, this is a great way to learn whenever I post a new show and dive deep into the founders that are joining me and their companies. So you hop on over, scan that QR code or click the link in the show notes to receive an alert whenever a new show is posted. There's so much going on. There's always someone that you can learn from here on the show, from their stories, from how they figured it out. I know you can apply it to your business as well. So I've got a few announcements. That's right, I'm calling this Andy-licious announcements here. A few interesting things that are going on. If you're not following the Startup Station yet, I highly recommend that you hop on over and sign up, thestartupstation.com. It's a phenomenal founder, Victoria Yampolsky. She was on the show about a year and a half ago, and she is constantly sharing free resources on how to model and value startups. Please subscribe to their newsletter. She is adding value everywhere she glows. And you know, valuation is really one of the hardest things to figure out. And financial modeling, what does that mean really, right? So Victoria and all the folks at the Startup Station help you with that. Plus their weekly newsletter provides you with even more tools to help you and your startup grow. So I wanted to share that with you. Don't forget to check out Arlen Hamilton's wonderful academy. This is free resources, free trainings that she has right there at the Academy. You know how generous Arlen Hamilton is. She's there at Backstage Capital. And uh, you will love, love, love the advice that you can find there for your startup. And hey, check out, check out this really fun event that's coming up. You know, you're so busy pitching all the time. This is like the tables have been turned, okay? Meet Our Fund is a very cool event. It's like the ultimate reverse demo day. So what happens is when you attend this event, you hear from and connect with today's greatest venture capitalists, and they're on the hot seat, okay? They're the ones that have to convince you to use them. I just love that something fierce. And by the way, I don't know if you checked out Jason Calacanis's new platform, inside.com. It's, you know, he raised some money, I think, on Start Engine for it. And it's where you go in and you share news resources. That's what it's all about. So I love to follow these big luminaries. You know, Brad Feld did something with startup communities, now Jason with inside.com. I like to see how they evolve when they're launching a new platform. What challenges do they run into in getting folks to leave major social media platforms and dive into their, uh, onto their platform? So I want to uh, say hi 
Hey, hi, Christina. She loves what the farmer foodie is doing. It's so exciting. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. It's going to be a delicious conversation with our guest. Hey, Brent, tuning in from Ottawa, Canada. Thank you so much. You are a diverse person and a loyal fan, and we celebrate you all the time. And hello, my wonderful, delicious community manager and extraordinary person in the world, Ruth. So happy to have you here and tuning in. You know, this is, I also want to take this time to chat a little bit about if anybody needs a hug, you know, the founder circle. Here we are, we're getting up every day, building our businesses, and you know it takes a village. What's going on in your world? Did you have a win? Did you have a switcheroo, a rut row? Did you get a milestone? I really want to you know, hear from you during this segment as we move forward with the Startup Life Live show um, and future episodes, because it's a great time to share what you're doing in the world. I get hundreds of replays, sometimes thousands of the show here, and you never know who's tuning in. So you may have an ask, Andy, I need an introduction, or Andy, we're at this stage, we'd love to get some more beta users for our app. Whatever, I'll pop it on the big screen, and you never know who will be tuning in and can take advantage of your ask, right? And to that point, you know I love it when you amplify your brand. You know, we're live right now on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, thanks to this wonderful StreamYard platform. And so this is a great time to amplify your brand. And so what what does that mean? That means you pop up your business name, your one-liner, so we have an idea of what it is your business does, and your URL. And see, it goes right up on the screen like this, and we share it. And my guest and I, Allison, will celebrate you as well when you share it. So, you know, we'd love to hear from you on that level. And okay, we're going to send out a big virtual hug to Brent. Yay, Brent. Mm, Wonderful. And hey, Joel, how are you? Tuning in from Kenya. Hi. (laughs) So happy to see you and so grateful that you're here. Can't wait to learn some new stuff. You will always learn something interesting here on the Startup Life Live show. And thank you, Brent. He says he's a, he was on a disability panel for Mental Health Week in Canada. Hey, that is awesome. Congratulations. You know, anytime we can level the playing field, folks, for all walks of life, that includes our diverse and our neurodiverse friends. You know, this is all part of living and living together and growing together and amplifying everybody together. All right. So. I want to bring in our guest now that we've done some virtual hugs and talking about what's going on in the startup world. And again, just reminding everybody, one final thing to do is um, folks tuning in live, leave a comment and you will automatically be entered to win a special free giveaway that will help your founder journey. So, you know, that helps out uh, along the way. And also when you pop your questions and comments into the comment threads during our conversation, We'll put them on the screen as well. And this is an opportunity for folks who are watching the replay or listening on the podcast to learn as well, because your questions really help move us along, okay? Help deepen our learning. So I wanted to throw that out before I go a little wild and crazy here and introduce our delicious guests. Let's get ready for that. We have this wonderful, fabulous female founder joining us today. It's Allison Elliott, the founder and CEO of The Farmer foodie. She's just finishing up her graduate degree programs at the Heller School for Social Policy and Management at Brandeis University, where she's graduating in a few weeks with an MBA in social impact and an MA in sustainable international development. And of course, where did she find the time to start a food company? Well, we're going to find out why this is her passion and why she's just a wild and crazy founder, just doing amazing things. Welcome to the show, Allison, Allie Elliott. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. I appreciate it. I'm excited am, to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. Okay, so we have to tell everybody our what we call the, the cute meat story. <laughs> it was a few weeks ago. You were at, really, folks, it was the first in-person pitch event I had attended in a really long time, like over two years, right? Because I'd had my... Uh, I co-hosted a monthly pitch event here in Boston. I really missed pitch events. And this one was about 
sustainable and, and companies that are about the social or sustainable impact on the world. Allie, you were there rocking the world. And I think you're one of the first founders I met when I started working the crowd. And you told me about your business and it was so wonderful. How did you end up at that program? How did you know to even apply to that pitch event? It was that WeWork folks. And it was co-hosted by Oatly. You know, the oat milk and creamer and all the goodies put out by Oatly. How did you hear about it? Yeah, so um, it was awesome meeting you at the WeWork. It was the WeWork Plus Oatly Sustainability Changemakers Pitch Series, which I had heard about through networking. So my cousin had introduced me to her friend, who's the founder of a company called The Lighthouse in New York City, and she had forwarded me an email regarding the opportunity, and I just decided to apply, and it was probably one of the best things I decided to do because winning first place and a free WeWork office for a year and also mentorship under Oatly is definitely going to help propel the farmer foodie. And I'm very excited about it. I am so excited. Take that in folks. Okay. She, you applied, was it a hard application? What was the app, uh, application process like? Um, it wasn't particularly difficult, but I've also been applying to things left and right. So I have a lot of materials that are already ready to go. Um, so I had to make a few minor tweaks, but it wasn't too long of an application. Um, the general ideas that they were asking about were, what is the business? What are your like initiatives? What are your goals? How, how are you sustainable? Um, they were definitely looking for sustainability-minded businesses. Yeah. And folks, take that in. Allison won. There was some stiff competition there for sure. She won. Can you just tell those perks again one more time for those in the back? Because I just love this something fierce. Yes. I won a free WeWork office. It's a private office, and it actually has 28 desks. So it is quite large and I'm very excited to expand my business, begin hiring. And not um, just for like 30 days. Yeah, for a year. <laughs> a year. Come on, folks, calculate that. That's what's called an in-kind benefit from pitching. Oh my gosh. Yes, it really felt like um, external validation of my business. I've been pitching a lot at my university, Brandeis. Yeah. And this was the first pitch that similar to what you said was in person. And I hadn't actually pitched in person too much this past, these past few years. <laughs> That's so incredible. Anyway, I just want to say hi. You know, sometimes LinkedIn does not give me your name. I am so sorry, but a wonderful LinkedIn user says, wow, congrats, Allison. And then uh, could be the same one. It says, hi, Andy. Hi, Allie. Smiles. I just met Allie at a startup CPG event. So whoever you are, I don't know if it's StreamYard. Sometimes, you know, with LinkedIn, the lives don't always go super well. So throw in your name so we can go, yeah, you. <laughs> and that's, you know, a CPG, everybody. That is Consumer Packaged Goods event, right, Allie? And that's where people learn how to figure out packaging, whether it's in that jam jar, you know, or, oh, April, hi. Oh, my gosh, the Corny Bread Company founder. So did you, do you remember meeting uh, April? Yes, yes. I think April was also doing a demo at the Startup CPG event. And I was so busy, I didn't get to try her cornbread, but I definitely want to. <laughs> yes. And April and Allie, while I have you here, there's an event on the 12th. I think it starts maybe around four. I'm not sure. Um, Steve Vilkas, I'll put you in touch with him, is for female founders. They're looking for folks who want to demo their food. And okay. so, okay, so don't let me forget April. Ping me so I can, you know, and I'll tell Steve and hopefully Steve will be tuning in as well so we can get that to him. <laughs> oh, my gosh, folks, this is all about networking, you know, and finding out folks and who you can refer. That's a local event. So if anybody locally here in the Boston area is tuning in, you want to demo some food at an event next week, please, and your female founder, <laughs> please let me know, okay? So, Allie, you know, I was so impressed with your pitch. You know, when I look for a pitch, I look for someone who's taking, looking at a pitch, I look for someone who's taking me through a story, who's really, you know, that first slide is telling me who they are and what they're about. So that first slide, tell us the name of your business and what you're about. Yeah, so my business is The Farmer Foodie, and it started as a food blog in 2020 when I was working as the education manager on an organic farm in the Hudson Valley in New York. 
And since then I have expanded and now I'm launching my first product, which is everything cheese. It's, it's primarily a cashew Parmesan alternative. Yep. There it is. Um, but it can be hydrated and turned into a queso ricotta or mac and cheese sauce in 30 seconds. All you have to do is add boiled water and either blend or put the mixture in the food processor and you have a totally different consistency and type of cheese. Um, and it really plays into my recipe developing career. I have numerous recipe extensions like buffalo mac and cheese, for example, and um, vegan everything queso chili cheese fries. So I'm really excited to see where this moves and yeah. how it plays into my existing um, recipe developing career. Now, if someone were camping, is that something they could bring with them and just whisk really fast? Or do you need a, a higher volume blend? Yeah. So I was definitely thinking of making some outdoor videos and advertising to the camping community because it is something you could just bring in your bag along with maybe some dried pasta and you could just whisk it together on the spot. But if you are at home, you would most likely use the blender just to have an extra creamy consistency. Yeah. That sounds great. You know, I'm always thinking about those, the nomads, right? Who are just nomading it around the world. Those who are preppers, <laughs> sometimes they like to have that in the background, but this is for the everyday. And you can think you're so busy, folks. You come home, you can whip this up, add it, you know, to all sorts of uh, recipes. And I'm very excited that this is your, your, um, your anchor product because you can move off of this into so many different categories. So let's talk a little bit more about your origin story. Now, is this your first company? Yes. This okay. Is did you grow up with entrepreneurs? Were you hustling in elementary school or did you just, you know, fall into this because of your love and passion for plant-based recipes? I think that I definitely have an entrepreneurial spirit. When I was younger, I used to have lemonade stands and even restaurants in my front yard <laughs> that my parents and neighbors would come to. We would just make, you know, pizza bagels and chicken nuggets, but it was something I truly enjoyed. I also, for a brief moment, sold some small squishy toys in middle school to my classmates and of course made a profit off of that, but then they soon decided that nobody was allowed to sell um, <laughs> toys in school, which was definitely because of me, <laughs> but it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> that That is so great to know that you were that kid, that you know, it was out there and the parents were helping you promote and, and sell your product, that you really liked it. And especially as a foodie founder, Allie, it's, you, you know, it's all about demoing. So yes. you're know, getting out there. It's just great. And um, hey, Joel, he says, farmer food, he started during the pandemic. Absolutely brave and courageous. I agree, Joel, 100%. Um, so then you you got your undergrad and you were working. What led you to this next step? Like, you, What led you to even starting the blog? Mm-hmm. So I actually started the Farmer Foodie as a blog on January 1st, 2020. So I, it was sort of a New Year's resolution that I wound up sticking with, clearly, for over two and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, and because I was working as the education manager on an organic farm and growing lots of produce, I managed a one-acre garden. I had a, a hoop house, which is similar to a greenhouse, but without heat. Um, and I had 12 outdoor beds, 14 egg laying hens, two goats, a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of access <laughs> to food, vegetables, um, you know, seasonality. Really, I learned a lot over the years and I've always loved cooking. So it was sort of the peak moment, right, of those two parts of my life coming together. Yes. Where I knew that I wanted to do something in relation to business. I just didn't know what per se. And so I thought, you know, a food blog is something that seems manageable and something that I'm passionate about. And I was already making recipes on the regular and just not writing them down. So I was encouraged by a few people to just start writing them down. I love that. And, and so, because, you know, remember that Julia Child's movie where where the the actress 
decides to cook every book in the Julia Child's cookbook and shares it with everybody everywhere. You know, when you start a food blog and you're consistent, you get really good. And folks, I'm going to, I'm going to share a screen here. Okay. Because I want you to see firsthand, by the way, your IG story with the blueberry muffins today, that was just, that was too much for me. (laughs) It was so delicious. But I'm going to share Allie's TikTok with you all. Uh, Here's why. It's because this is so important, no matter what kind of business you're doing, but especially when you are launching food, spices, something where people have to get a feeling for what you are doing. All right. Is that live there? Yes. Okay. So you can see, look at that. She's got a great view. She's doing like, look at the goats over here. We've got the food. We've got the popcorn. We've got the pizza. There's Allie consistently showing how it's done. Look at that with the macaroni and cheese over there. The muff. Oh my gosh. So, you know, it's your recipes, but also your own product development. And, um, and I just, I just love this something fierce because this is where you find and begin building relationships, right? With your potential customers. If you launch a food business, right, Allie? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And what made you decide that you would do video? So I think that the industry is just really leaning towards reels on Instagram and TikTok. And I've been, I've been very active on Instagram for the past two and a half years since I founded the farmer foodie, but only within the past three months, I want to say I've been actively pushing videos on TikTok and they've been very worthwhile. I've seen a lot of transfer from TikTok to Instagram, and I've seen a lot of growth since utilizing that platform. And I think consumers these days really just want to see more than an image. They want to see, you know, like the drizzling chocolate or the drizzling cheese, and they want to see the fun shots. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Because, you know, I, I look at some of the food brands out there and they're just these beautifully quaffed photos, right? Whereas there you are, you're, you're in your element, you're talking about what you're doing, whether it's in the kitchen or at the farm. What is it about sustainable? Because you're getting a master's degree in you know international sustainable development. What triggered this passion for you? Because founders, you have to remember, you got to really love two things. Okay. You got to love the problem. You're solving something fierce and you got to love the journey that you're on because why get out of bed some days, right? Unless it's because you were driven by that passion and that love of purpose that you're on. So share with us why this is a North star for you and why plant-based ties into your love of sustainable living. Yeah, definitely. So I went to undergrad at Muhlenberg College in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And while I was there my junior year, I decided to take on a sustainability studies degree, which was really life changing for me. I learned a lot about the climate crisis and individual impact and how we as consumers can change small behaviors and make a great impact. And after that, I, I wound up woofing, which is worldwide opportunities on organic farms in Alaska for three okay. months. Woofing. That's woofing. a thing? Yes, woofing. <laughs> so it stands for worldwide opportunities on organic farms. And it's sort of similar to a workaway program where yeah. you pay $25 for a specific country's platform as either a um, somebody who wants to work or somebody who has a farm, homestead, organic, you know, business. And you can connect with people and plan when you want to go and actually live at their home, help them run their farm, homestead, food business, whatever, in exchange for free living and food. So 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 that's a you know a win for the person there because they you know it's an effort of course to bring you on and train you but at the same time once you're on board because you're there 90 days so i went to three different um farms and homesteads in alaska for a total of three months the first stay was in seldovia alaska which is sort of a peninsula that you have to fly to you have to fly to a lot of places in alaska (laughs) and and why alaska again (laughs) ally Alaska in the summer is amazing. It was yes, the summer months. Okay, good. Um, and it was right after graduation. So a, a few of my friends and I decided to go and do a little trip. And then afterwards I stayed 
and another friend met me and we, yeah, we had an amazing experience. I was in Seldovia and then across the way, across the water was Homer. And I worked for a really cool woman there who had her own CSA and CSA is community supported agriculture. So it's a small to medium sized box of locally grown organic food that you um, subscribe to for a duration of time throughout the peak season, like the season, like the seasonality months, right? So June, July, August, September. And uh, we were just helping her harvest, plant, weed, and distribute these community supported agriculture boxes, which was really amazing. And is this an age? Can anybody of any age participate in woofing? Yeah, I think you probably have to be 18 or older. Okay, but I mean, you could like at the age of 65, for example, you could go there if that was you were called to do that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I got to tell you, this is just like my eyes have been open. Not that I'm a farmer girl, but I know plenty of folks who are that this would be really meaningful for them. Anybody else ever heard of woofing and you're joining us live or via replay? I think this is fascinating. Okay, so you had that experience and that opened your eyes to sustainability. So how, why did you go on to get higher education through a grad degree? Um, well, so after that, I was working as the education manager at McEnroe Organic Farm for four years. And I want to say after two and a half years, I, I thought to myself, I wanted to start my own business. I knew that I wanted it to be related to food. I wasn't exactly sure how at the time. Of course, I thought about starting a farm or a restaurant or an Airbnb or a hotel or this or that. But as, as founders often do, folks, okay? <laughs> it's, it's just like you know, Joy the Mop Lady, you've got a whole bunch of other ideas in the in the queue. Go ahead, Allie. Yeah, exactly. And so I thought an MBA is versatile in that it would help me pursue any path that I really wanted to like venture down, I guess. Yeah. And it kind of just coincided with founding the Farmer Foodie, my food blog, which, you know, took off pretty quickly. And I became very passionate and committed to relatively quickly. And so around that time, I had already been taking the GRE and preparing for that and applying to schools. And I just knew that a, an MBA would help kind of kickstart whatever yeah. business I wanted to launch. That's right. Because what happens in the MBA, folks, is that you go deep into things like market research. You understand what marketing really is, which is it's data driven. You go into strategy deep, at, you know, economics, operations, you, you know, and definitely financial accounting and very important for the food industry, cost accounting. <laughs> So, you know, cost of goods sold, all those yummy number crunching moments. So it's just great. And I agree. And, and sometimes, you know, it does add credibility. Now, for folks who are in tech, a lot of times they don't need that because you are building. You're building in public. It's about what have you built. And you can certainly learn that from boot camps and other resources. But sometimes if you really want to go long on the bigger picture, getting that extra degree can be helpful and kind of give you sometimes even more courage and your own credibility to move forward. I love that. And now that I understand all these farms that you've worked on, is that part of how you came up with the name, The Farmer Foodie? Yes. So my cousin, Emma Vernon, actually came up with the name at our annual Hanukkah party. And then my friend, Michaela Grimaldi, is the one who created the Farmer Foodie logo. So I've definitely felt really supported over the years from you know family and friends in my community who's helped me grow and kind of ideate in association with The Farmer Foodie. Yeah. See, I love that. That's wonderful. So now we know how everything led up to this moment, especially with the blog. What was it? How often were you posting on the blog before you decided to just go ahead and create a, a product? Yeah. So I was posting on the blog for at least two years. Mm -hmm. So when I first started June 1st or January 1st, 2020, I think I also created the Instagram account. And then a few months after that, maybe in August is when I started the website blog. 
So if you go back in, in time, right to the beginning of my Instagram, you'll see a lot of recipes that you have to swipe on to actually get the typed up version of the recipe. <laughs> um, and so it kind of just, it, it expanded from there naturally, organically in a sense. And it was weird timing with the pandemic around the time that I was sort of pushing harder with the farmer foodie. There were a lot of people creating accounts under, you know, names like COVID foodie or. So like, let's talk about yeah. this. So you got this name trademarked? Yes, it's yeah, it's in the queue right now. Okay, so it's in the queue. You haven't heard back fully from them with the full. It's in the process and it, it should be trademarked. Soon. Okay. And did you use an attorney or did you go online yourself to the USPTO.gov? Yeah, I used an attorney. My mm -hmm. business mentor, Juan mm -hmm. Geraldo, founded Waku, which is a healthy gut beverage company. I'm actually an ambassador. So if you want 10% off, use my code, the farmer foodie. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. We love that promoting. And say his name and the company again. Please. His name is Juan Geraldo, and he's the co-founder of Waku, W-A-K-U. And what does he, what kind of food? What is that? Oh, it's a healthy gut beverage. Okay. So it's actually when you think of healthy gut beverage, you think of kombucha most yeah. likely. But his is not. It's not a kombucha. So basically, what they do is they work with small farmers in like the Andes Mountains of Ecuador, mm -hmm. and they source herbs and flowers and different like medicinal plants that they use in their beverages that, you know, they're anti-inflammatory. It's a great biotic, I believe. Well, we want to, you know, we just want to give him some love. So it's W-A-K-U. W-A-K-U. I'm going to just pull that up and see what happens if I can get prebiotic herbal tea. Yes, exactly. Excellent. It's so it's very similar to a tea, but it is a healthy gut beverage. And so I feel like, you know, if you were to think about the competitive landscape, kombucha is a competitor in a sense. Yeah. So I, I, I bring this up because our guest on Friday was talking about a healthy brain. A lot of times is tied into a healthy gut. So I just thought I'd throw it out there and also, you know, let them know. We gave them some love here at the Startup Life Live show. And, uh, and again, if you use the Farmer Foodie, you're going to get a discount on Owaku, liveowaku.com. Okay, so as you started, it's good to know, folks, trademarking is so important because you don't want to get into selling your product and find out you can't use your name. So that's really important. And you hired an attorney. And a lot of times when you do the attorney versus going on USPTO.gov yourself, which you can easily do for $275 or $295 and put in your own application, an attorney is going to tell you based on their experience that you'll be fine and, and get you through and won't be too difficult. And if there is a challenge, they'll help you walk through that. Mm -hmm. So then you had to create the business map because you had a, the recipe and we'll talk about that in just a second. What did you use as a source to help you start putting together your business plan? Did you use the business map, the canvas, or what? how did you start doing that? Yeah. So throughout my career as an MBA student, actually in social impact at the Heller School, we have done countless exercises where we have developed business plans and business pitches and, you know, the canvas and the, the whole nine yards. <laughs> so I have definitely done all of those, you know, individual steps for the farmer foodie for, you know, a previous idea, which right. was farmer foodie as a carbon negative restaurant mm -hmm. or a whole bunch of different businesses that I've been playing around with. That's great. And folks, you can get download a blank canvas called the business canvas where it will help you walk through the basically about eight components that you need to nail down for your business. And in the food industry, this is really important because you are developing a product. So you have to really go get clear, not just on your target audience, how big that is and your revenue model. You've got to go deep into how you're going to get it into people's hands. Mm -hmm. So we're going to expand on that in just a minute. Let's talk about the recipe as a former food founder recipe folks what you make in your kitchen um, 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 or what your grandmother made or some other recipe that you have that you can't wait to get out into the world it's completely different when you take to do it for scale and what i mean by scale is selling thousands of pounds or units of your product so 
how did you not just develop the recipe, but how did you start to figure out, well, what does it look like when I'm making it for a batch that's going to go eventually on a conveyor belt and get packaged and outsourced? What was that like for you? Yeah. So I guess I'll just kind of start at the beginning, which is since this is a multi-use product, um, it's primarily a cashew parmesan alternative, a ricotta, queso, and mac and cheese sauce. I should just say that originally I had separate recipes for all four of these things. And when I was developing actually just the mac and cheese idea as a separate business in February, um, I hadn't really thought about combining them all. But one night I thought to myself, hey, this could be a really great opportunity if I combine them all, it would really add a lot of value to the product. It's differentiated, it doesn't exist. It only takes 30 seconds for consumers to hydrate this and have a completely different form of cheese at their house. So it sort of started with that. Um, and of course, I've been making these recipes for two years, for a while at home, but I've been working with a small co-packer in Greenfield, Massachusetts called FCCDC. And they are actually a nonprofit. They have been so helpful. They've given me so many free resources, a lot of pointers, tips. You know, of course, we signed an NDA regarding my recipe, and they've just been so helpful. I've done a few prototype runs. I'm scheduled to do another, and I'm I'm hoping to be launching in a month or two. That's exciting. And did they help with the nutritional label? Because again, food folks in the U.S., you've got to have a bona fide government approved nutritional label with your product. Did they help you with that? Or did you go to another source for that? So they have a really amazing list of resources. And one right. of them is a woman named Wendy Hess in Vermont, who I used for my nutrition label. She was great. She did it in a week. I kind of needed it pretty quickly. And um, we decided to kind of categorize the product as a cashew Parmesan alternative so we could have that one nutrition label on the back. But I'm hoping to potentially create nutrition labels for the recipe extensions and feature them on my website. Yeah. It's not it's not necessarily that like the calorie count will change. Of course, you're just adding water. It's more so the serving size that would change. So I've been exploring how to best portray that to my consumers. But um, actually for small food businesses, you don't need a nutrition label until you hit a certain amount of units in sales or a certain, you know, sales number in a sense. Okay. So that's new since I had a food company. So that's great news. So you could be at your farmer's market selling, well, what is the dollar amount? Like, cause what if you have a thousand dollars in sales that day? Does, do you have to have a better nutritional? Oh, I think it's something like a hundred thousand units or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go kind ahead. of large. <laughs> In a year, maybe. <laughs> I think it's just a way to enable small businesses to sell at farmers markets and sort of market test their product. Or, you know, if they just want to be a small business doing something on the side, just yep. the accessibility there. I love that. Hey, Augie, so happy to see you. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is a local founder, Allie, who has a phenomenal shoe. Everybody go to thedifference.com and check out Augie's sneaker. It's a heelless technology for you runners, saving heels every day where he's going. He's asking if the recipe is vegan. Yeah. So my product is raw, vegan, gluten-free, and soy-free. And it is made with organic ingredients. So at some point I will be getting my organic certification and it's inherently sustainable, of course, because of the plant-based organic ingredients. And also because it's a shelf stable product that has a really long shelf life. So the product doesn't have to be refrigerated until, you know, you turn it into a queso or a mac and cheese sauce at the end, at the end, sort of. Yeah. So when you open the package, that's when it would be, need to be refrigerated. I yeah, mean, okay. if you can't, if you can't, if you don't eat it all in one sitting, right, it's kind of hard to resist. <laughs> uh, and, okay. I met Allie at a pitch event in Boston uh, sponsored by WeWork and uh, Oatly. So it was for sustainable businesses, and especially in the food category. And she won a one year 
free office space at WeWork. How cool is that? And mentorship with Oatly. So I just thought I'd share that with, with Olga because I know he'd appreciate those kind of wins that we get as founders while we're out there grinding away. Um, now, sourcing. Okay, people, again, you know, when I first launched my granola, my divinely delicious gourmet granola, goddess granola, um, I was at Sam's, you know, sourcing my product until I figured out what I wanted, where I could get it, et cetera. Did this, did Wendy or did Greenfield help you find sources for your ingredients? So they do have a very helpful list that they gave me, which of course I went through every single hyperlink on there and all of those websites. But when it comes to, to ingredients, I, I definitely used a lot of the sites that they provided to me, but I also have just been doing a lot of research on the internet and I have found a lot of the sources myself. So I'm actually sourcing my cashews from a company called Beyond the Nut, which is located in Benin, Africa. And they process 6,000 tons of cashews every year. They work with 7,000 local farmers. They are organic, fair trade. They even provide their employees with subsidized meals, two meals a day. They are doing all of these amazing things and they're exactly who I want to be partnering with. And actually 60% of cashews are grown in Africa and 98% in 2010 or 2012 were being exported from Benin to mm -hmm. India or Vietnam to be processed. And so along with that exporting of the cashews with the five times larger shell on them, um, they were also exporting jobs. And so part of what this founder did was he wanted, he and I think his wife, Jace and Sarah, um, wanted to retain more economic value and create opportunities for female farmers and other farmers in the area to retain more value and sell their cashews at a premium. And part of doing that was opening one of, I think it's now the second largest processing facility in Benin, Africa for cashews and also helping these farmers increase their yields and get their organic and fair trade certifications and charge these premiums. Oh my gosh. So that, let me get you solo. That really ties into your sustainability, your need to be, you know, have a social impact with your sourcing. So that's wonderful. Reminds me of another local <laughs> foodie who has an incredible olive oil company called, and maybe you've met um, her, Zaze. So that's a company based um, where she gets all her olive oil from female farmers in Turkey. How cool is that? So, you know, I just love this, you know, giving back in that full circle and supporting the local farmers. So you have pulled your recipe together, you've, you're understanding. And when, when Allie says, folks, that she gets an NDA from her co-packer, that's fine. But you cannot uh, copyright, patent, do anything with a recipe. Anybody can do your recipe, right? They can figure it out, right, Allie? Yes, unfortunately. Please don't okay. do that. <laughs> But I tell, I tell everyone, walk down the bread aisle, folks. There's plenty of room. It's how you brand. And that's why it's so important. You build those relationships, create your brand promise, create your user experience, and get your brand ambassadors and get your loyal brand followers to really buy into your mission, your purpose, who you be, as well as your delicious product. And you do that through connecting with customers, both in your language, in your font, in your brand, in how you present everything out into the world. So let's talk a little bit about your brand. Your friend developed it. You know, where are you at? And as far as, because, you know, at some point, I think you have your bags are, what are your bags looking like right now when they come out ready to go? Yeah, so it is a stand-up craft bag. So it is a brown paper bag with a clear slip on the front. You can see the product. And the front label says everything cheese. I feel like it kind of has a little bit of a Trader Joe's vibe on the label. And in the background, there are hand-drawn images of pizza with ricotta chunks and mac and cheese and queso and chips. And so I worked with a graphic designer to help me with that 
um, you know, label and my website has recently been revamped and I have been building my brand since inception through social media, through conversations and networking. And um, because I'm active on social media and have such a prevalent network, I'm going to be launching an organic ambassador program where I'll I'll probably be chatting with people who I'm already connected with in the space who are associated with my target consumer. So people who eat primarily plant-based, whether that be vegans or flexitarians, or people who have dietary restrictions. In 2019, actually 70% of the global population suffered from lactose intolerance. So there is a huge market out there. <laughs> And it's projected to increase by a lot in the next few years. Wow. So, and but also think about the carbon footprint. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love me some cow cheese and some goat cheese, whatever kind. But at the same time, they poop a lot and they have to feed them. There's a huge carbon footprint from the dairy world. Yes. Yeah, there's a huge carbon footprint from the dairy industry, the meat industry, but also generally from conventional farming. So what I mean by that is, you know, conventional farming, meaning factory farming and degrading the soil because you have way too many animals on too small of a plot of land. And, um, you know, you're using herbicides or pesticides and you're tilling the soil. And when you till the soil, you release carbon dioxide into the atmosphere which is why there's a movement towards regenerative organic agriculture. And what that really means is no-till agriculture. So you don't turn the soil and release that carbon dioxide. You actually just store that in the soil. And if we were to globally shift to organic regenerative agriculture, we could sequester 100% of the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere on an annual basis. Oh my gosh. So you must be like, why aren't we doing that? Yeah, well, which is why um, sourcing from regenerative farms is definitely something that I'm going to be doing as soon as it's feasible to my business. Right. And that's a perfect segue into the next topic for you food founders or you folks who want to launch a food business. In food, it's all about the margins, everyone. So you have to you have to start sometimes your pricing at where it would be accepted in retail. And so you're going to say, all right, I've got these ingredients that are going to go into a four ounce, a six ounce, an eight ounce container package, bar, whatever. You have to understand what those costs are going to be. And that includes returns and waste and shipping. Okay. You really put that all in to get your clean margin, what it costs you to produce this business, to produce your recipe. And that's a label as well. And that is called cost of goods sold. And it's a really important number that I want you to always remember to work with in accounting or your accountant or your bookkeeper, making sure that you really nail down that number. And here's why I'm just going to take over a little mic here from Allie, and then she's going to expand on this. It's because then if you use a distributor, and that's when you're ready to sell by the pallet, whether it's to food service or to grocery stores or big box stores or specialty food stores, it's going to go onto a distributor's truck by the pallet and it's going to be hanging out of the warehouse. Then you got to give them some money and it's going to be like 30, 35% margin. Then you need to give the retailer a margin for having it on their shelf. Okay, so you can see that, oh, it's only going to cost me a dollar and I can send sell it for five. No, by the time, it, unless you're doing direct to consumer, by the time it gets <laughs> to the customer, a lot of people have pulled money out of that product. So, Ali, how did you go about figuring this out? And what did I mean, first of all, Ali's got a phenomenal shelf life, because if you guys, if you have anything that has to be frozen or does have real dairy in it and you have a shelf life, it makes it a lot more complicated. Where did you start with your recipe as far as, you know, getting a, you know, a, ball, a ballpark idea of what it was going to cost and then how you, you would price it to the consumer? Yeah, definitely. So the way that I create my profit margin, calculate that is by thinking about the label cost, the packaging cost, the ingredient cost, of course, the labor associated with making the product. Um, so that's sort of our, like, those are the main things that go into <laughs> the spreadsheet, everyone, <laughs> yes. the unit economics associated with the product. And then you have the profit margin. And then 
Where I am right now is I haven't particularly explored working with too many distributors, partly because in this first phase of my launch, I already have a very prevalent website, which is thefarmerfoodie.com. And I've actually created a Shopify page, which is now eateverythingcheese.com. And they'll be linking back and forth. So you'll always be able to find the product. And I'm going to be heavily pushing direct to consumer to start to try and you know, maintain some of those margins since there are a lot of startup costs associating with creating a new business. And I'm also going to be at six different farmers markets in the Boston area, doing a lot of networking, chatting with customers, getting feedback. Right now, the most important thing to do is really know your consumer, know what they want, know what they like. And if there are any changes that need to be made to the product or the packaging or the graphics, the design, the marketing, et cetera. Um, this is really the time to chat with people about that. And I'm also going to leverage my existing social media network, like I said, with some ambassador programs, which if you're not familiar, it's sort of like an affiliate program where you give a social media micro, nano, or influencer, sort of wherever they are, um, a coupon code like what I have with Waku, the farmer foodie, and you get 10% off or 5% off or 20% off. Um, and it's sort of a way to engage the community and also engage, you know, their communities. Hold on. I just got, okay. Seriously. There's your manifesto folks right there. There's your how to you're done. And, and this is why that connection with customers, you get to see the look in their eyes as they take a bite and they go, or they go, mm, you know, you're going to get the whole and everything in between. It's, you know, remember your food is your food product isn't for everyone. So as you see the delight in someone's eyes, you're able to say, well, what was it about that? And they're going to go, oh, I love the texture. I mean, what, what kind of feedback have you seen as you've demoed at places and those who are delighted and remember folks don't take it personally if they want to spit it out. Um, <laughs> It's their preference and they're not your target audience. Um, so what has been the feedback when folks have tasted it? What did you learn from watching them? Yeah, everybody, I mean, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I have done a lot of uh, tests, right? Like taste testings. And of course they have been with some friends, but I've perfected my recipe through that because they have been honest. They have filled out surveys. It was a very legitimate taste testing event or focus group or what have you. I've done surveys and whatnot. And now I feel like the recipe is where it needs to be. And every single person that I've talked to who has tried it really, really, really likes it. And so I haven't heard any negative feedback. I don't think that I will, which is great. Um, I really just foresee like potential changes with the packaging or the design or how to actually verbalize what the product is because it's primarily a vegan cashew Parmesan alternative, but it can be hydrated in 30 seconds and turned into a queso ricotta or mac and cheese sauce. So, you know, just kind of getting that across, but across the board, it is a delicious, creamy, flavorful, um, cheese that has personally helped me stay away from dairy for the last two years. That's tremendous news. Phenomenal. So, and, and, and there's just so much I love about what Ali just said, folks. And for you who want to want to put together a recipe, really doing that testing is so important. Now, do you think you'll change your packaging? I mean, can you, what you have for packaging, I just want to touch on this one more time because as Ali moves over, you know, from her beta testing and her farmer's market testing, which is going to give her so much great language and information and images to share and build more customer awareness and brand awareness, she's going to be scaling. And now she's going to be moving into an even larger co-packer facility where they can do, you know, pallet sized runs and all that. That's my vision for you, Allie. So, I you know, and so will the packaging change, is there something about the packaging that is also sustainable or will you do anything different along those lines? Yeah. So the packaging that I have right now is probably on the more sustainable side because it is a paper bag. Um, I will definitely be thinking about long-term packaging as a recyclable option. Right now, the reason why I have it in a bag is partially because of the co-packing facility and the capacity to fill the bags with their machinery. Um, but long-term, I won't have um, 
bags with external labels sticked on. I will have containers that have been pre-printed and use either post-consumer recyclable materials or they themselves are recyclable. Definitely packaging and being as environmentally friendly as possible is important to me. And since I'm in the early stages, I've had a lot of advice around packaging and how if you make a small error and you print, say, 10,000 bags, then you're going to wind up either throwing all of those out or, you know, maybe even having to shred them. And so I'm mitigating potential human, like, impacted error waste, in a sense, <laughs> by um, sourcing small to start, sourcing the labels externally. So if I needed to reprint something, it wouldn't be as wasteful as reprinting you know, a thousand, 10,000 bags, which is the minimum order quantity for a lot of these places. And folks, runs can go sideways, okay, with your food product. And it's why you always have to pull something out of every batch and taste it, make sure that the the version that the co-packer is doing is actually what you expect them to do. Um, have you had any rut rows in that department? Have you had a run that just went, oh no, and you had to throw the whole thing away? I did have an issue recently with nutritional yeast that I sourced. It was not, let's just say it didn't meet the quality standards that I would yeah, and want folks, in my product. This happens, okay? You have to just get it into your head that the, you know, sources you know, unbeknownst to you are going to come through and be sent through your product and you're going to be like, oh no, you know, we've all had it happen. Every food founder will tell you how that's happened and what they had to deal with. I just for any, the soon to be wannabe foodies out there, I want you to just take that in and understand it's part of the journey, right, Allie? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's upsetting when it happens, but I just think to myself, look how far I've gotten. I've made it to the co-packer. I've done mm -hmm prototype runs. I am launching soon. I'm registered as an LLC. I'm registered to sell at farmer's markets. And there are a lot of great things happening. And in retrospect, it's just a small setback. And it's something that I've already fixed. And now every time I source ingredients, I definitely get samples. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, this is what we learn as we go along because there's nothing that prepares you for this, especially as a food founder. When I'd had my business for about a year, I, I told people, honestly, had I known it was going to be this hard to be a food founder, I just would have checked myself into a <laughs> clinic somewhere. I just said, no way. But I had a shelf life with mine, so it was even harder. But uh, it was expensive ingredients as well. So when you can have a, a sweet product like this with, you know, something people are familiar with, which is the cashew alternative and, and all, it makes it a little easier. But I want to bring up, who is this Christina Jing? And I want you to read this comment, Ms. Allie. Yes, Thank you, Christina. So Brandeis University Spark program is so proud of our Spark Tank winner, Allie. So I am currently in the um, Brandeis Innovation Spark program. And what that is, is a mentorship program that I sort of like placed into. And so in February, I had pitched my dry, sustainable, plant-based mac and cheese idea. And I won second place in the Spark Tank competition, which, you know, accelerated me into the mentorship program that's been going on since February. And actually this Thursday is my final presentation to wrap up everything that I've done in the past few months. So I'm and, excited about and that. What's, and congratulations on that. Seriously, this is what helps us all. I got to tell you, folks, it takes a village to raise a business. And who is Christina? Does she Is she from Brandeis? Yes, Christina is uh, part of the Brandeis Innovation team. Oh, and actually, she and I worked together in during the fall semester. I had planned the Heller Startup Challenge. A year prior in 2020, I won second place and the people's vote for my solar powered carbon negative food truck idea with a few friends of mine. You got one idea after another. I love that. <laughs> And so um, Christina and I connected when I was actually planning the event this past fall and she was one of the judges and she's been extremely valuable and helpful to me, you know, along with everybody else at the Brandeis Innovation Center like Juan, Fern and yeah, Rebecca. Yeah. Christina, we all thank you from around the world, those of us in the startup life <laughs> endeavors, thank you for 
spearheading and leading and, and creating change and opportunity with your program. I think this is wonderful. I love the hashtag spark tank and the spark program at Brandeis university. You're, you're, you're just such a champion to startups. And we're so grateful because you know, your ripple effect, Christina, you know, you are having an incredible in, impact on folks' lives, no matter what happens with the program. And uh, yes, Ruth is saying, congratulations, hashtag Spark Tank winner. <laughs> exactly, thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Oh my gosh, we've learned so much. You know, and I went deep, folks, on this with Allie because, first of all, it's still freshly in her mind, right? She's still a newly minted food founder. So all of these things are going on. So, Allie, what are your milestones for the next six months? Yeah. So it's, of course, to launch sales and speak with consumers, hire some people. I'm hoping Brandeis University. The Heller School actually has a MBA internship program. So I'm hoping to hire an MBA intern in the fall to work with me in my private WeWork office. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm going to get, um, I'm going to definitely be working on like my brand positioning and my retail go to market strategy and figuring out how to scale, of course, assess what consumers are thinking in regards to my product, their purchase patterns, customer acquisition, just the whole nine yards. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just so proud of you. Seriously. I'm, I know what it takes. And of course, folks, when I first met Allie, the first thing I asked, I asked her was what's the shelf life. And when she told me almost a year, I just was like, yes. Okay. You've got this. Um, I'm so excited for your year at WeWork. You know, those in-kind benefits that we get from pitching at events and whether it's legal or other benefits like office space or mentoring from a big brand like Oatly. So important, folks, to just, no matter what, always be pitching and learning from the feedback that you get from the folks that you pitch for. How can the Startup Life Live show audience and community add wind to your sales? What kind of doors could we help open for you right now? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. Um, I'm always looking to network with people, anybody, you know, who has experience with whether it be a startup or a food startup or, you know, the supply chain packaging, just really anything. So if anybody out there wants to connect, please feel free to reach out to me on thefarmerfoodie.com or my LinkedIn page. That's I'm wonderful. always interested. And you know, you've got a lot that you've brought to today's conversation, Ali, because you have done deep studies on so much of what you're working on, and you've got some great mentorship. What has entrepreneurship, how has this benefited you just in this short time period, a couple of years, but also you're a little, you've been a little dabbling here and when you were a kid, how has it served you both professionally and personally as a person? Yeah, that's a really great question. I am very, very passionate about environmental sustainability and individual impact. And I know that there are a lot of issues that we're facing right now with the climate crisis. Um, we, as like a global population, need to cut our emissions by 50% by 2030. From that number, another 50% by 2040. And from that number, another 50% by 2050. And that's all just for a 50% success, like chance of success to decrease our emissions and start mitigating and reversing climate change. And so I really think that business is a great tool to change, you know, like have impact on consumers, maybe change consumer behavior or educate consumers and offer a product that truly is sustainable with a transparent mission. And so that's really why I'm in the food business and in, in the business industry as an entrepreneur, because although I know I'm just one business, I'm really trying to, you know, set a standard, become carbon neutral as soon as possible, and really have a positive impact on the environment through offering sustainable food choices. Oh my gosh. I got to fan myself as well as clap. That was beautiful. Oh, thank you so much, Allie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Any last thoughts or words you'd like to share with everybody? I'm going to pop the image of your wonderful product up there. Everything cheese and the foodie, the farmer foodie is the name of the company. You see the banner going down below there, folks. So you can go ahead. When will, when can we actually get on there and buy your product? 
Yes. So my production run is on June 10th. So I'm hoping that sales will be live on June 11th, but it'd be amazing if anybody watching went to my website, thefarmerfoodie.com and signed up for my newsletter, because it's extremely important for businesses to have networks like that to chat with, promote things to send promotional materials to, um, partially from, you know, like just like a valuation of the business perspective, but also just that network is extremely valuable. And I would just like to say thank you so much, Andy, for having me. It was so great meeting you in person. And you've been so supportive ever since I met you, tagging me in opportunities that I've been applying to left and right, and just very active in the community and extremely helpful in this this has been amazing and I can't wait to look back on it, you know, hopefully. Oh my gosh, Ali, we're definitely going to have you back for the show. I'll be bringing back folks called um, Where Are They Now? I'm going to be launching that in the next six weeks. And so I can't wait a year from now. Let's go hear from Ellie and the Farmer Foodie. Woo -woo. <laughs> so good. I'm going to pop you in the green room, hang out so I can give you a big hug afterwards. Um, but I'm going to just thank you so much for joining me today, for bringing your perspective and your newly minted vibes as a founder who is just figuring it out, you know, as you're going along and nailing down um, the details and all the things, you know, you shared so much wonderful advice. The founders will benefit from years to come. So I'm so grateful. Thank you, Allie. Thank you. Okay, everyone. Okay, so we learned. I really would love some feedback from anyone who has been able to implement and execute on the advice that you received today on the show, because this is hardcore foodie founder advice for launching your business and answering your questions. And if you have any other questions, do not hesitate to reach out to me or to Allie via the comments or email. We are here to help you with your journey as always. So let me tell you who's going to be on the show next. It's going to be a fun conversation. Just get everything working here and bring up. Da -da -da -da. There she is. It's on Friday. May 6th, 12 noon, as always, we have the fab female founder, Gail Room. She's the founder of Moolah U, a learning system kids love and a super easy way for parents to get their kids money smart with a series of real life and real money programs that bring the world of money alive for kids. And you know you would have loved this as a kid yourself. But even better, Moolah U has served thousands of families in raising financially savvy kids through after-school clubs, summer entrepreneur camps, and online parenting courses. And oh my gosh, Gail's summer camp, it can, it's virtual for kids, for getting them to be savvy around money. You know you need to raise your kids ready to manage, ready to invest, ready to create wealth in their lives and understand what that means. Phenomenal. We're going to have a great conversation around that. And until then, I hope you remember to join the Startup Life Live meetup group so you can receive an alert whenever I post a new show and a new guest and all the goodies that are going on. And if you have anything going on in your world that you'd like me to share, those of you with accelerator programs, pitch events, anything, resources for founders you'd like me to pop up on the screen during my Andy Licious announcement section, please let me know. I'd love to share what you're doing to help founders succeed everywhere around the world. Until next time, everybody, I'm wishing you a delicious day everywhere you glow. Mwahs of hugs to all. And now let's dance. <laughs>